Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Shannon Hale, author of the Newbery Honor winning Princess Academy and many other books for children and adults, including The Goose Girl, Rapunzel's Revenge, and Austin Land. Hale's next book, Ever After High, The Storybook of Legends, will be published in October by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Storybook of Legends helps kick off the literary component of a new partnership between Little Brown and Mattel, who previously collaborated on the Monster High series. In addition to starring in Hale's new book, the characters, who are descended from legendary fairy tale heroes and villains, will be available as dolls for Mattel and are featured in online games, cartoons, blogs, and more. Shannon, thanks for speaking with me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So this is a somewhat different kind of project than your earlier work. Uh, can you talk ab- about how you got to be involved with uh, Ever After High in the first place? Yeah, I had never, ever considered doing a work for hire. Um, and then I got a call from my agent that Little Brown wanted to talk to me about it. And honestly, I didn't really think I would, but I was just curious. And they said they had, um, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. It was all very cloak and dagger. We had to operate under secret names for a long time. And Hmm. um, everything was password protected. It was crazy. But um, on that first phone call I had with the editors at Little Brown, as they told me about the project, um, I immediately began to write stories or scenes in my head. And I knew that's when it was a story that I could get behind. Um, I don't think I could do a work for hire where I wasn't excited about the story. But as they told me about the concept of this boarding school, which always fascinated me, the concept is when I was younger, the idea of a boarding school. And the daughter of Snow White attends this boarding school and the daughter of the evil queen from that fairy tale attends the boarding school and they are roommates. And immediately I'm just like, oh, that's so delicious. It would just be so awkward to be roommates with someone who you're destined to to relive their their the children of fairy tales are destined to relive their parents' stories and reenact them again. And so this girl is destined to poison and try to kill the other one, and somehow they have to be roommates. And um, I loved the idea, and the, and the the whole mythology that Mattel came up with was so rich and so fun. I just could see myself writing endless stories for them. Hmm. Oh, there's that great early scene where Raven tosses Apple, uh, just an apple very casually, and it sort of becomes this moment of, you know, knowing what's to come and sort of yeah. <laughs> that same awkwardness. Do you know that's funny? Because that is the very first scene I wrote in my head when they told me initially they were roommates. I was like, oh, I could totally see her like offering her an apple one time and then and then the other one be raising her eyebrow like, really? Is this, is this, is this okay? Is it poison? Be like, oh, no, wait, I'm serious. I'm sorry. This one's not poison, I swear, you know. I was curious, did Mattel... Uh, provide you with some additional, a lot of additional background material about the characters and the mythology then to work with? They did. They sent me immediately um, like a 200-page story Bible that had detailed information about all the characters and their relationships with other characters and then the world itself, and uh, which was actually really fun. In my previous life, I was an instructional designer, and so we'd get a great deal of content information from the client and then work that into something that was entertaining and helpful for them in, in training. And so I feel like I was actually putting on my previous sort of business hat. I'm working for a client. It's in a different situation. 
but it was like way more fun of a project than I ever had when I was an instructional designer. <laughs> and so the content was all delightful to read. But at the same time, um, I was surprised by how open Mattel was for my input. If I found things that I felt like the story could work better if they changed this and or that. And, and if I, I was able to make up new stuff where I came across it. And they were all just delightful. They were, they were like, yeah, more, bring it all the time. So it sounds like you felt like you were able to uh, make the characters your own to some degree while still working within sort of the parameters of the project. I really did. I mean, a novel is a very different medium than what Mattel was presenting previously. They've written very short stories about them and then have done these short online animated movies that are two, two minutes to eight minutes long. So when you've got a novel, I mean, that's just a different kind of storytelling. You're allowed so much more depth and be able to go so internal with the characters and put them in much different situations than they would have been in previously. So I did feel like I was able to make it my own. And, uh, you know, were there particular, we, we talked about the Apple scene earlier, but were there other particular moments or characters that kind of came together in a way that you were uh, really pleased with? Yeah, there's the character of Maddie, uh, Madeline Hatter. She's the daughter of the Mad Hatter. And she she's just so fun and crazy and so Wonderland. And I um, really enjoyed rereading Alice in Wonderland and try to get the sense of that language and fun. But one thing about her is that she can hear the narrators. And um, it's almost like this sort of superpower because she has this insight into a story because she can hear what the narrator is saying and observing. And But it's also sort of a Cassandra syndrome, but because she's from Wonderland, people think she's mad. And so they don't really believe what she says, even though she has these great insights. So we were able to write these little fun sort of meta chapters where uh, one character is is. is conversing directly with a narrator and the narrator is very uncomfortable with this. The narrator just wants to do her job and tell the story and here's this character wanting to trick her into giving more information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely one of the uh, the more fun, uh, funnier elements of the of the story. Um, you mentioned uh, revisiting Alice in Wonderland. Did you end up revisiting a lot of the uh, sort of the stories and characters that were involved here? I did. And thankfully, I think I've made it sort of a lifetime process of just, you know, understanding and reading fairy tales because I enjoy them. But we, you know, I also wanted to make sure that um, I, that these fairy tales were original, that the fairy tales are based on the original tales or, you know, the many versions of tales that are out there and not on, for example, Disney versions or recent versions that have come out. So, when, you know, when I was doing a character that from the Pinocchio story, I want to make sure it's not based on Disney's Pinocchio, but looking at the original story. Um, so yeah, there were definitely rereading of old stories and different versions from around the world. And Mattel's concept is there, that there are so many different versions of some of these story fairy tales is because there are so many different generations of fairy tales that have lived the story. So each generation does the story a little bit different. Hmm. You know, so many of your previous books uh, have also involved fairy tale characters and themes. Uh, when you're when you're playing with existing characters that readers will know and be familiar with, um, for you, is it about amplifying elements of those original stories, or about twisting or inverting them, or something else entirely? Yeah, it really depends on the story. Um, the first fairy tale I retold was The Goose Girl, and for me, that was a really precious story. It was my favorite from childhood, and I really wanted to honor it by writing a novel, uh, but at the same time, it was such a mysterious and strange story that I felt like it offered me a lot of questions that I could answer. Fairy tales that are just nice and beautiful for me don't inspire me. The ones that make me ask a lot of questions are the ones I want to deal with. So I did try to actually stay as close as I could to the original tale, 
while expanding it and fleshing it out. But other stories like Rapunzel um, is my least favorite fairy tale. I think it's just stupid. <laughs> it's an irritating story about a girl that is locked up in a tower and we never know why and never tries to escape and a witch that never does any magic and a prince that is completely incompetent at helping her escape and gets her pregnant. And so it's really a question of if he had the best motives for visiting her in the tower. And um, no, nothing good happens. Nobody does anything interesting in that story. <laughs> so when um, my husband and I co-wrote Rapunzel's Revenge, a graphic novel, really the motivation was to say, let's just completely turn this upside down and uh, put it in the Old West, make it a completely different story than it's ever been, and let her just run wild and have fun. Hmm. It reminds me of a, a sort of a telling moment in this book, which was the uh, one of the training exercises in which the princesses are all stuck up in towers and supposed to sit there and wait to be rescued by princes, but end up uh, needing to rescue themselves. Was that sort of part and part uh, part of the same uh, maybe motivation there? It was. Yeah, that was one of my um, original scenes too. That I just. I do find it very irritating, <laughs> princesses who just don't do anything. And But so many of these girls um, in Ever After High, their characters are expected to relive their parents' fairy tale. We've got Briar, whose mother is Sleeping Beauty, and she knows that she's destined to sleep for 100 years. And that's a sort of a miserable thing to know about your future life. And we've got, we've got a Rapunzel daughter who's there, and a Snow White who's supposed to be you know, unconscious in a coffin, and that's how her prince falls in love with her is when she's unconscious in, in a coffin. There's a lot of really weird and strange and dark things in fairy tales. So it has been fun in this setting of this book to 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 poke fun at those and to acknowledge that this is their future and and it is grim in a way, but um, to do it in a in a really lighthearted way. Uh, you know, in the publishing industry or in the books industry, we, we talk a lot about whether kids are reading enough and are they reading the right kinds of things. And uh, we don't necessarily maybe talk as much about uh, sort of freeform imaginative play, whether it's with Legos or Barbie dolls or, you know, just putting on superhero capes and running around. Um, is that something that was um, a big part of your life as a child or maybe uh, for your kids now? Definitely. It definitely was a big part of my life. Um, we um, we loved Barbie dolls growing up, and as I grew up and became a feminist, I I felt initially shamed that I had loved Barbie dolls so much, and I've gotten over that shame. I feel like um, I, f I feel like it's for me. I don't know if it's uniquely feminine, but for me and my sisters, we really liked playing with dolls that interacted, that had stories. A story was a huge part of the way that we played. And uh, we would create little worlds and villages with these with these different kinds of toys and characters and and stories around them. And uh, I do see that with my own kids. My my son, uh, my oldest child, is really is really a, a smart kid, really advanced. And he didn't know how to play by himself. He just couldn't go internally that way. He needed ex exterior. Um, stimulation so much until he watched a show called the upside down show this australian show that kind of taught him how to play and they did really ridiculous fun ways of playing and after watching that he was able to mirror that kind of play and play that way himself and make up his own stories and it was exciting for me as a parent to see him oh sometimes you know 
these sorts of things, TV is, is bad. And yet here was an instance where it was actually really helpful for him and, and taught him something great. And I feel like there's different ways to access these many different kinds of media that we have as parents to help kids figure out uh, different ways to play. And with that kind of play comes curiosity and exploration and imagination. Mm-hmm. And do you think uh, the series and the way it's set up has the potential to hopefully encourage that same sort of uh, imaginative uh, storytelling and play? So I think it's really clever to um, not just have... See, when I was little, Barbie didn't have movies. It was just Barbie. But um, I think it's interesting to give have these dolls, but to give them characters as well. And actually really complicated situations and problems that, that kids can then explore. Um, in my experience, I found that there's a lot of talk about reluctant reader boys... And yet I've met so many reluctant reader girls and uh, those parents that will come to my signing and they'll have one daughter who's super excited and has read all my books and there'll be a second daughter and I'll try to engage her. And a parent will tell me uh, she's, she doesn't like to read. And that always just kills me because I know every kid as a reader is just finding that right book, that right gateway book. And I feel like it's a great tie-in. A lot of girls who enjoy this kinds of of play that need that kind of stimulated play with and tactile experience of, of dolls and and clothes and, and and that sort of thing, it will be easier for them to jump in and read a book and and feel engaged in it because they have they have that hook. For some kids, that's the hook they need. Hmm. And uh, you also wrote some Ever After High uh, short stories that are, I believe, available in uh, digital formats over the summer. Can you talk about how those came together and where they sort of slot into the whole thing? Yeah, it was after I finished the first book, and Little Brown thought it would be great to do these e-shorts that uh, would just be free online. And the first two are just the first two chapters of the Ever After High book, but then um, they asked me to write uh, four more for um, some of the other main characters just describe their backstory and it was really fun because um, the book is from the point of view of these two characters the daughter Snow White and the daughter the Evil Queen but there are a lot of really interesting um, side characters that I wanted to explore and, and I, what I, one thing I liked about it is I got to decide a lot of these characters backstories like uh, Briar Beauty the daughter of Sleeping Beauty I just decided that she could she's the older sister with like seven little brothers and this crazy castle of activity and and there's just um zip lines everywhere and trampolines and there's just constant activity and motion as sort of a counterbalance of the idea of having to sleep and be inactive um so they go to the other extreme when they're awake um and that was that was terrific fun to write there's also a love story between two of them so i got to write the backstory of how they first met Hmm. Um, one thing I w- wanted to ask, uh, mirrors are a big theme in the book. You know, they play a lot of different roles. And I wondered, you know, is that something that you came up with or was that sort of a pre-existing um, part of the series, that this sort of mirror idea, especially when you've got kind of the crux of this, the series is about, you know, these characters trying to find their own destinies. And do you go the path you have to go or is there room for something else? Yeah, that that came from Mattel. I thought it was really clever. They they wanted it to feel uh, uh, the the whole world of Ever After to be a hybrid of our modern world and a fairy tale world, and so a way to incorporate technology um, that would feel, you know, like it came from that fairy tale world. It's sort of there's a magical element to the technology. So we've got the mirrors that are you know 
portals for travel as well as like mirror phones and mirror pads and they become these sort of portable computer devices as well um and then there's but there's also the strong element of the the mirror of of the evil queen who's this menacing presence always in the background because she's the mother of the one of our main characters who's always looking in the mirror and and then i think one theme is always the the idea of of comparison i think what really killed the evil queen was comparing herself to snow white and and that the idea of the of mirror gazing being dangerous because it, it it can lead you down the path of of comparing where it's so much more freeing just to let go and figure out what your own path is uh, will you be writing additional books in the series? I get to announce that right now, I guess, because that has not been announced yet. But yes, I'm going to write two more. Oh, fantastic. So the scope will be sort of a trilogy then? Is that your, your thinking? Yeah, yeah. So the second book picks up right after uh, the end of the first and dealing with the fallout of what happened there. Okay. I feel like I, you know, I have to ask at the very least, do you think this one will also, or the next books will similarly focus on uh, Raven and Apple, or will other characters maybe get a little bit more uh, spotlight? Uh, yeah, so far, I really want to keep dealing with Raven and Apple. Um, they're just such great, rich characters. So the, the second book will be alternating chapters, mostly from, from Raven and Apple. Um, I do want to include some Maddie um, because she's so fun as well, mm-hmm. and um, there's I, I want to include one character, Cerise, who's the daughter of the of Little Red Riding Hood, will okay. be in there a little bit more as well. Okay, and I think I'd read on your your blog that you have it looks like quite a few other projects uh, lined up in the coming uh, year or so. Can you tell us a bit about them? I've just gone a little bit crazy, John. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insanity over here. I have four little children. I have twin toddlers at the end and um in january i told my husband i handed in a final draft of of a ya sci-fi novel uh, that will be out next year called dangerous and i said that's it i'm not going into contract for anything else for a couple of years until things calm down around here and wouldn't you know as soon as you say that all of a sudden you know everything explodes and so i'm doing these three after ever after high books i'm doing one of the spirit animal books for scholastic which is their new, you know, 39 Clues type series. Sure. And um, I'm doing um, The Princess in Black is our early chapter book series with Candlewick being illustrated right now by Leywin Pham, which is so exciting. I've got, a, I've got a short story actually coming out in the New Guys Read anthology this fall. So there's just, there's like six books coming out in the next year. And, and I've got a movie release next month, my adult book, Austin Land. Um, was made into a movie and that comes out in august oh fantastic well uh best of luck with this book and all of your future projects and film and uh thanks again for speaking with me my pleasure thank you uh once again i've been speaking with shannon hale who's ever after high the storybook of legends will be published by little brown in october thank you for listening to pw kids cast 